Imagine having to sell your business for $270,000 less than what it was actually worth one day ago. Hey, this is Jared Krause, host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast, and in this episode, I'm sharing with you part one of a training we did in our Inner Circle Mastermind with Ron Stefanski from The One Hour Professor on how to scale and sell content websites. And in this podcast episode, we specifically talk about what stage on your journey to making money online should you actually quit your job. We talk about stress expenses here and, and you know some of these things that we face when we have a job versus not having a job and trying to make money online and what's the right route for you. We also talk about how Ron actually sold his website business for 40% less than what it was worth one day before the deal actually closed. We also talk about what Ron learned from the sale of his site, not just why it actually sold for less than it actually sold for, but what he learned through the whole process of getting his site ready to sell. So we talk about what you need to do to prepare to sell your website and how you can get a higher multiple for your website when you're actually selling it if you do set it up for success when you're trying to sell it. We also talk about building relationships, not as a buyer of website businesses, but a seller of website Website businesses and how that can help you make more money when you're selling your business too. And then we talk about the future of affiliate sites. What a can of worms to open up on the last part here of like where do we see if the future of affiliate sites heading and what that actually means for our space. So this is such an incredible episode. You guys are absolutely going to love it. Go away, check it out. Today's episode is brought to us by Niche Website Builders, which is a company a few of my clients are using and have used for content creation and link building services. They do everything from start to finish. So from keyword research all the way to uploading your completed article for you. We've also had Bob members buy ready-made affiliate sites built by Niche Website Builders. So if you're looking to outrank your competitors' content and build better backlinks, Niche Website Builders and I have a special deal for you. Head to nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob. I'll put a link in the show notes for you. But again, that's www.nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob. Do you want to start investing in websites but don't want to drop $20,000 or more on your first investment? Check out Odie's where you can buy premium aged domains to build a website on and add done for you affiliate site packages to help you grow your website and get seen. Instead of buying a crummy website that's been built to sell with no authority, buy a premium aged domain with built-in authority, great SEO and fresh quality content for your website. Odie's right now has a crazy 30% off summer sale on until the end of August. So head to odys.global to check out their great deals. That's odys.global. Link will be in the description too. Ron, thanks for coming on. Of course, Jared. Thanks for uh, having me. I appreciate it. Apologize for my audio not being up to par as usual, but as we talked about, I'm in the middle of a move here. So that's uh, all good. We'll have the editors sort that out. Also, people watching, apologize for half my face being demented as well. Had a little injury with my surfboard. It decided to attack me, but uh, hopefully I'm not wearing this and I've got stitches out in the, in the coming episodes. Ron, we had a chat. You came on the podcast maybe 20 episodes ago, maybe 30 episodes ago. It was awesome. If you guys haven't checked that one out, check that out for sure. But Ron, I wanted to get you back on. I wanted to get you in the mastermind and ask you some some deeper questions. And I noticed that you've had a cool year. You've had some really cool things happen. And I want to talk about that soon, like the sale of your business and all that sort of stuff. 
I got another question for you when I was going through your story and you quit your job. I want to ask you like, because I've got a different, some people in the mastermind still have a job or working towards completely being online. And a lot of people listen are wanting to be completely online with an income stream. What stage do you think people should quit their job? Should it be like quit your job, get stuck into this or halfway through? And what sort of stage do you think? I took a really calculated risk when I did it personally, because I think I know some people are like, I'm just going to go balls to the wall and I'm going to quit my job and I'm just going to go for it. Right. And kudos to them for doing that. I'm more risk adverse than that, especially the situation I was in where I had a condo and I ended up actually renting out the condo and moving to an apartment, but you still got bills. I'm just kind of cautious by nature. So when I had quit my job, it was very calculated in that. And I recommend this to anybody I talk to while you're working full time, use some of that to bankroll your side hustle, right? Like really just take, like, just make it as part of a budget. Cause a lot of people think of it as like, Oh, I don't want to spend money on this. We're well, not spending money. You're investing money in a business. So you got to change the way that you're thinking about that immediately. And my thing was, I just wanted to make sure that I had something that had momentum and I wanted to have some income coming in already because what I've found, and I've talked to multiple different people that have followed me where they make dumb decisions because they're basically desperate for money. And they're yes. like, they'll do a sponsored post for a hundred bucks, a ton yes. of work. And it's frankly, not even really good for their audience, but they just need the money. Yeah. And I think it just puts you in a bad situation. So I would say get something. I believe I was about three or four months in and I was seeing a lot of momentum. And I think I was only making like two or 300 bucks a month at the time when I had decided to do it. But I had also saved up a whole year's worth of expenses too. Right. So like it was a really calculated risk. And I did lower my expenses significantly, like by probably like four or five fold, right? Frost so like, and beans and stuff. I mean, I moved to an apartment, like I literally had cardboard boxes as like end tables. My wife laughs about it. I had like a desk that I made out of wood. Like it was just nothing but work, right? Yeah. Um, and I made that, that was a conscious decision to do it and it worked out. But yeah, my biggest thing is just take calculated risk. Not to say you got to do exactly what I did, but have a good amount of savings, you know, maybe a year saved up and reduce your expenses as much as possible and have some type of momentum. Cause I'm not a big fan of like, and I know you went a, a different route cause I built from scratch. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of just like quitting, buying or starting then. I would rather buy or start as a side hustle, get it to have momentum, get it to be doing something to where you're seeing positive things like three, four months consecutively and then be like, okay, I'm going to really give this a go. So that's my thought on it. Oh, I think it's awesome. I'm so happy that you brought up the thing about people making silly decisions like, oh, I'm just going to accept this sponsored post and it's not even in my wheelhouse or you know, in my niche or topic and it's just like, I'm just going to do it because I just need some freaking money, you know, pay for food and stuff. I believe that's an expense. Uh, the way I calculate is that's an actual expense that we actually have to pay and I call it a stress expense where we put ourselves in a position that we're stressed out, that we need to go away and do this to just survive. Like we just got to make sure we can, you know, we're still in the survival viable phase. And a lot of people are in that and want to get out of it. And that's what like that route to making an income online actually is, is like, how can we sort of like not need to just try and hustle and survive? Like, how do we get to a position where we can make better decisions? And I think you do make better decisions when you've got two income streams rather than just yep. one. Or if you just get rid of one income stream, and I say this to people that have come to join the membership, like join the community of like, they want to learn to buy a business, tell them, please don't quit your job and then join. Or quit your job before you bought a business because then they can go away and they put themselves in a position of like, I've got some capital. Sure, I can buy a business with this. It doesn't need to be squillions of dollars, but they've got some capital. They know they can buy a business. But even though they've got that capital, when they've gone a couple of months without making income stream and they may have a family or even if it's just themselves, they feel like I need to buy something because I'm not making any money. This money's sitting there and degrading and going nowhere because of inflation and all that sort of stuff. And I could have an online business. So I'm just going to buy something because I need it. I need to put my money to work. And that can be a bad 
decision. Like you said, with the guest post, it can be a bad decision. It can actually put yourself backwards. So I'm so glad that you said that about the guest post is we just end up doing dumb stuff. Yeah. And I will say too, um, and I forgot to even mention this because it's been like seven years, but yeah. <laughs> the, other, the other thing that I had done um, is I actually, with my full-time employer, so I was a digital marketing manager and I basically said like, hey, I'm making this transition. I'm going to do this. This is my date. I'd love to do consulting for you guys so that I don't put you in a bad position to where you don't have anybody, right? That was the way that I positioned it. And my boss was super nice guy. And he was like, yeah, we'll take you up on that. So I had some coming in from there, not a ton, not nearly what I was making, right? But I had some coming from there and I've been teaching this whole time too. So I've always taught like as an adjunct professor on the side, not a ton of income there either, but it's really hard for anybody, like you just mentioned, to just quit everything and then just have savings and then make, okay, I got to make this work. Like if you have even a small amount of income, just something coming in, I think yeah. mentally it yes. really, you know, not that it makes you like sit back and be lazy, but it helps you feel a little bit better and like, okay, I'm still going to be okay because I have this. So it is vitally important to try to have at least a little income coming in and then definitely the savings is, is huge too. So yeah, I like the idea that you, I'm going to quit. I will work as a consultant for you. Basically, you, you kind of kept your job to a certain extent, but on your own terms. Like you just rolled over to them being in control to you being in control. And I think that's a cool thing for people to remember if they haven't watched or listened to the four-hour work week, sorry, or read it, that that's what Tim Ferriss talks about is like, how can you sort of start taking control and like either outsource some of your work, say, can I slowly start to take more time because I work better at home and then start to outsource your work and have that job be an income stream that is kind of like running like a business yourself. I've got friends that have done that as well. It's like, you know, the COVID's changed everything. A lot of people can work from home. They can say, mm -hmm. I can actually make you guys more money if I actually work from home. And they just, yeah. they can end up working less hours as well and work from home. More hours, they can start working on buying a business or whatever it is. And I think you've done a really good job with that. So well done. I think something that I really want to talk about is the sale of your, your website. You did that this year. Congratulations. Yes. How did that Thank feel? You. That would have been amazing. Did you hear the whole story about I lost like half the valuation? Have you heard the story? Or no? I saw some headlines there. It was like <laughs> a couple of hundred grand that you... Yeah, no big deal. Uh, yeah. yeah <laughs> Tell just us a couple hundred. Well, first off, I will say, so I'm incredibly blessed, right? Super happy at everything happened. It's opened up opportunities well beyond anything that I honestly ever thought I'd achieve. It's still mm. like, it's a pinch me moment every day. Because I actually don't dread work. I wake up and I'm like, sweet, like I get to do this today, which is a weird thing, right? But so the sale of the website uh, was awesome, but also kind of sucked. And here's why. So in the sale of the website, basically every time that you sell a website, right? You have to essentially hand over the keys to everything. So obviously that's like all oh, WordPress and databases and hosting and this, and maybe your like Amazon affiliate account. This one was an Amazon affiliate. It was display. And then I had some other affiliate partners. I can't disclose everything because, you know, yes, the, the site itself. Of course, and but mostly display ads. Yeah. So it, the display ads actually were okay. That actually did okay. That didn't have much of a problem. What happened was that I had gone through all the different handoffs of all the different types of monetization strategies I had because I was selling leads on that site for certain people. I had uh, display ads. I had some affiliates. I just had, it was all over the place because I had had it for years. And that's why I mm. made so much money is I just kept kind of diversifying the monetization, right? Yeah. Cool. So yeah, so it was going really well. And then right at the end, like literally the final hour, it was pretty incredible. One of my affiliate partners that accounted for, I don't remember exactly the amount, but it was around 40 to 50% of the monthly revenue. They literally pulled the carpet out from under me 
said, based on your site and how we've done it in the past, and, and we've never had issues in the past, but they were basically scared of some possible litigation, which never occurred. We never had anything close to it occurring, but they were basically kind of cautious about something. I wish it could be more descriptive, but I can't, but they basically yeah, were cautious fine. about something. Yeah. And then they said, uh, you know what? We're actually not going to have you as a partner anymore. And we're going to turn off our API. I was using their API to show some data and they're like, we're turning off the API too. And we're doing that in 24 hours. So now I'm in the middle of selling this site. I was supposed to go for 500. 500K? 500K. And then they completely took the rug out from under me and essentially destroyed the whole dream, right? And I was like, oh my God, like this is what everyone talks about. This is the moment where like, I can't possibly do this. Without disclosing too much, it was astonishing that they had backed out because we had been partners for like four years, Mm. literally never had issues, but they had some managerial changes at the top. And one of the people was just like, yeah, we don't want to risk this. We're not doing it. And they just backed out. It was nuts. So anyway, so I was like, oh my God, like this isn't going to work. I went to the buyer and I'm like, hey, sorry, man, like it's over. I can't do anything here. This is what happened, blah, blah. And he's like, wait, I'm still interested in buying the site. And I was like, really? So I was really happy to see that he was. And then I basically worked with him. We redid the valuation based on that loss of income. I had also found another partner to plug into that data set with Mm -hmm. their API. Mm -hmm. Granted, it made like maybe 25, 30% of what the previous partner made, but I was able to plug it in. The guy who bought my site was awesome. He totally worked with me, understood the situation, was like, yeah, this sucks. I've never seen anything like that. He's bought a lot of sites, but he's like, I get it. So we worked together. I ended up basically walking away. The deal was, I think it was 277 is what I sold it for in total. So, so you didn't was, lose all of that affiliate revenue because you made up some of it with the new partner that you plugged in. Yeah, I, pl- I plugged in a new partner and granted, oh, obviously, yeah, valuation of 500 down to 277. Yeah, yeah, that hurt yeah. Uh, just Dude. a little bit. But at the end of the day, I don't care because my thought was, okay, this is a hard lesson to learn, but I'm not in control. That was mm. one thing I realized, like, I'm not always in control. The big man upstairs is. So that was a big thing. And then it was also like, I could do this again. You know, that was kind of my thought. And now I've been working and there's some projects that I have going that are going great. And I'm actually hitting the highest numbers I've ever hit with my online business in the last like month. I did that. And it's pretty crazy considering I got rid of my biggest site. So I was pretty confident. It was like, okay, well, I'll just take this money walk. And I'll tell you, this money has been so handy because like I said, we just moved and (laughs) the amount of stuff we had to do in this house and all the furniture and everything, it's been like, that money lasts. That's a lot. Even because I basically walked away with about 200. And after everything we did, I also sold my house. After everything we did, I'll still have about 175 left over that I can invest, which is a pretty amazing amount of money. Amazing. So you can put that back into your own businesses or, or buy something that's semi-established and then, and then continue to grow it with the skills that you've got. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, man. Congrats. That's good. Like It's an amazing story to hear because it just rings true for anybody listening. It's like, no matter what stage of business, there's still risks, there's still things that we need to consider. Yep. Something you couldn't even fathom. It wasn't like 100% of your revenue, which is great, but it can still happen. Hey. Yeah, it was, it was a large portion of revenue. And it was like, that's something that And then it's funny because I posted a thing about it. I think I did on YouTube. And then there was other people who said like, I had something similar. It was like 30% of my, like not as big of a hit as mine. It wasn't as big of a site as mine, but it was like, that stuff happens. And you can't, like there was, I can confidently say there's nothing I could have done to fix that because even if I would have gone to a different partner earlier, I would have just lost a bunch of revenue and not gotten that high of a valuation. So like there's nothing I could do. Sometimes you just got to take it on the chin and it was a pretty good punch, but kept moving forward and everything's (laughs) fine. So yeah, well done, man. And so whilst that was a pretty full on experience for you, you would have been freaking, were there some things that you did that allowed your 
business to get set up for the sale? Like before this happened, obviously, you're like, all right, I want to sell the site. Just for people listening, like what are some of the things that you need to do to get in place or sort out before you actually sold the business? Because I've got yeah. people in the mastermind looking at selling a site and there's a lot of people here that have bought one and, and want to sell it down the track too. First off, I'll say I have not been great at selling sites at the right time, uh, this site included. I know that it's better to have steady or an increase in income. Uh, mine was in a decline. It, actually, two sites I've done this with now. I'm trying to learn from my mistakes. But it's still got like a 37x revenue sale, which is pretty good, all things considered. So that particular site, getting ready for it, what you should be doing and what I'm getting more comfortable with now is really trying to make every single dollar count and also reducing expenses as much as possible for at least three months, maybe six months, if you can pull that off. Because you got to remember every dollar that you add, adds $30 to your valuation. I mean, if you're getting 30X, right? Yeah. So like, you got to think of it that way. So like a hundred bucks is an extra, what, three grand. That's a ton of money, right? So like a hundred bucks a month, like, hey, maybe we cut back on content for a little bit. You know what I mean? And it depends on if somebody who's buying the site counts it as an expense or an investment. That's a whole different thing. But Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing there is first streamline that. What I did, I was on my numbers, right? So I went into a Google sheet that I could share with this person and I had really detailed, and I mean detailed, detailed, uh, all my revenue streams. I had detailed all my expenses and I really went deep on everything to make sure there was no question about any of the numbers. And frankly, he didn't have any questions on the numbers. That was not anything that came up as an issue throughout the whole thing. I included mm, uh, screenshots. I included videos that actually showing them everything. So I think that was the biggest thing is really preparing because when you're doing a situation like, or when you're selling a site, you really need the person to understand, okay, this is where it is. It's been neglected because whatever reason, or maybe you're not neglecting it. Maybe it's like, hey, I'm going to take this and push it on other things. Yeah. I think connecting with people and telling them your future plans and kind of why you're selling it. And then also definitely sharing missed opportunities that you know. Like mm-hmm. I know for a fact with this particular site, there was a huge missed opportunity with creating like digital downloads and courses. And I know that. I just never got around to doing it. Quite frankly, my passion kind of ran out. It was like, yeah. I just don't want to do this. So telling someone that stuff, me like, look, this is, it, it will be big. And this is what some of the things and sharing some of those strategies the things that you thought about but didn't do. I think that can be really helpful. So like I said, the person paid 37X on a site that had just lost half its valuation that was probably down 30, 40% in traffic of what its high was. So it's all an amazing deal. Yeah. I also think sometimes people forget as investors and buyers, like people have been, if you've owned a business for a year, you understand that (laughs) shit hits the fan and business can be hard. And, you know, somebody that's owned a business for two, three, four years, you can see that like this business has taken some a piece of me yep. and they want to get rid of it for a valid reason. And they leave so much on the table. And yep. how can you not when you've just after four years or more, or, you know, even a little bit less, you can be like, oh, I just don't have the energy for it anymore because it keeps having this dance with it. And sometimes it just completely mm-hmm. obliterates me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly what happened with that site. I mean, for five years, probably three of the years, it was great. The last two years, it was up, down, Google fight me constantly, me doing yes. this, me changing this. It was up, down, up, down. And then I was just like, I'm done. And there was nothing wrong with the site. And he's actually brought back some of the rankings and he's growing. And I'm happy to see it. He's a good guy. So it's like just a situation where, I don't know, I feel like most people think like when they're looking at sites or whatever, they're kind of leery, like, why would they get rid of such a great site? You don't know their situation, right? Somebody, they could have a loved one who has cancer and they need the money or they, all these different things can happen. And they're very valid reasons. It's not like people just sell 
really bad sites. I mean, some people do that mm. uh, and you got to do your due diligence, but it's something definitely to keep in mind. There's a lot of opportunity. My biggest thing that I would say, like if I could talk to this person who's doing it is I would probably look at what he's been doing. He's been doing some good things, some things that I was like, huh, that's interesting. Like, cause I've been watching it, right? Like I want to yeah. see what he's doing Yeah. and maybe he plans to in the future, but he hasn't executed on the little download stuff yeah and yeah. maybe he doesn't want to i don't know but to me i was like man that is just a freaking gold mine and maybe he'll just take his money out of it and then eventually sell it again i don't know but that was one interesting thing to me was that he hasn't yet executed on that which i'd be like you should maybe consider that but listen to the previous owners because i guess that's my point they know it better than you do you may eventually know it better but they definitely know it better than you do oh yeah so listen to what they have to say they may give you some whatever real gold. The business yeah five years yeah. You. yeah 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 for sure I picked up on something you said earlier about connecting with the person that you're selling to. How big of a piece of the puzzle was that is like building a relationship as a seller of a business? How important was that for you to be able to sell the business, building relationships with the possible buyers? Was that something you worked on or, I mean, you do this naturally, but is that something you feel that people that are selling a business should focus on? I think it's important to build credibility for yourself in a way to talk to, like just to let the person like, Hey, I'm not some like scammers. I'm going to be here tomorrow. I'm going to be here next month. I'll be here in a year. Like yeah. I'm a real person. And I was very upfront and honest about everything that happened. Cause I was like, I don't want to hide anything from this person. I know no. some people may want to do that. I didn't want to do any of that. Cause it's like, I don't want this to come back and bite me. And I have a reputation online, all this exactly. stuff, you know, I didn't want to deal with any of that. So I basically told him like, look, here's a situation. Here's where I think the opportunities are. I think it's something that's definitely worth doing because when they see that you're a valid person with good ideas, you built, whether you built it from scratch or, or bought something and then increased its value, whatever, they see that you're a real person, you're really there, you're doing this for whatever reason. If you want to disclose it, I think you should. If you tell them that, I just think it really helps build the credibility and they'll trust you. And frankly, I think that it helped my multiple as well because I connected as a person and I was yeah. like, look, man, here's my situation. Like, and then I found out his situation and we negotiated. Like, I think that it was more than just here's a website. goodbye. It was actually someone that, um, and I still email him. We email back and forth sometimes too. Yeah. So like, it's a person. So just act like a freaking person. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's easy for us to see that like the whole online space of making an income online is like, can be cutthroat and people want to be hidden behind the scenes and people want to do it so they don't have to show up and stuff. But I think a lot of people forget that being a human, being a good human is going to help you win, right? Yeah. In this deal and in this environment, in this industry, being a good human is really going to help you win. And when you are selling a business, being contactable, like actually just being that real person, like you said, it's going to make you more money. The last business I bought, I still speak with the seller of the site. Actually, something happened when we changed some things on the site. We lost a lot of rankings and stuff. And they're like, they're watching it and checking out and like, oh, dude, this happened. This is what you should do. I gave him access and he fixed it for me. Like yeah. such a legend. Uh, the reason I bought that business wasn't just because the multiple was good, but I was prepared to pay a little bit more because he was a good guy. I could tell he was a yeah. good guy. He was being a human and like that's going to allow him to win and us both win that situation, right? Like, yeah, that's that's a huge asset for selling a business and even buying yeah. a business too, right? Yeah. And funny story too is that so that particular individual, so we still talk and stuff. I actually now, and I don't do a ton of stuff, but I make around one to $2,000 a month doing SEO consulting for some of his other sites that he has and stuff too. Like, cause he basically was like, wow, this is really good. Can you help me with some other stuff? And I was like, 
yeah, let's talk. So I really know him now. I was just being a person. He connected and he's a good guy and he thinks I'm a good guy. I hope I'm a good guy. So it worked out for the best. And now I have a little bit of an income stream coming from it, which contributes to everything else. But that's like you just said, it pays dividends to just be a person and just be on. Just don't set someone up for failure. I hate, I don't know. I know some people would do that. I'm just not the type of person. It makes me like, I don't know why you would do that. Like why even take the bad karma? You're selling them, they're paying a lot of money for what you're selling them, right? So like set them up for success and hey, if they blow it out of the water and you're jealous, well then learn from the lesson and do it better next time. Like that's your bad. Yeah. And they're going to be stoked. I want to ask you about, (laughs) your answer may change now (laughs) since your experience, but I want to ask you about affiliates versus ads. Like might be a tough one, might be an easy one for you. But if you were to choose just one source of revenue, which would you choose over ad revenue and affiliate revenue and why? So funny that you're asking this. And the reason is, is because- Although I had really built a pretty good online business making, I mean, it it differed, but upwards of $30,000 a month at times with Mm. display ads. And I I did have some other monetization in there. I have shifted almost, I mean, exclusively, specifically with one hour professor, my site, I have focused pretty much almost 100% to affiliate. And it is also a very interesting business model. Different. (laughs) right? It's competitive. It's a little bit more difficult, but I'm starting to have some success with it. I feel like display ads, if you can find the right niche is so easy. I mean, it literally is money that gets handed to you. I have a site. I won't disclose the niche because it's very obscure, very weird. But last month, I think it made $5,200. And I kid you not when I say that site's been there for it's been probably about a year and four to five months. If I look at my income reports, it's about a year, four to five months. I probably have worked on that site in total for maybe 10 to 15 hours total the whole time because I have a team behind me, virtual assistant to help post it. I have an editor. I have a writer. I have all the stuff. I literally do not touch that site. And it is like, it's really printing money. It's all display ads. There is no affiliate play. That's like, wow, this is easy. So with the right niche, I think that's just killer. If you can get the right niche with display ads. That said, affiliate I've found is also extremely lucrative. There's days when I'll make $500 off of a sale of one thing, which is pretty mm. crazy. It's mostly software related stuff. I think that they both have their place. I would say like if it's pure beginners. Oh, the other thing I should say too, I don't do Amazon affiliate. I think Amazon is just going to crush everyone eventually. I'm sorry to be bare of bad news. Historically, just taking away their revenue yep. over and over. Yeah. And I think it's inevitable that they will eventually pull it off. I, I do, unfortunately. So I try to stay away from Amazon affiliates as much as I can. Like I'll still do it. I do have a site focused on now, but Generally speaking, affiliates outside of Amazon or display. Display you could do if you have the right niche. Affiliate you can do if you're ready for a little bit more competition and more difficulty. I think that's very lucrative as well. And it's starting to pay really well. But yeah, I'm still kind of early there, but I think I made like six grand or seven grand last month from one art professor, which is pretty good because I started working on it in July of last year, about a year in. Congrats, man. That's awesome. Thank you. I I do want to dig into where you see the future of affiliate sites is I'm so bullish on you doing affiliates with one hour professor. And there's one particular reason why compared to a lot of other people just doing affiliate sites to just make affiliate revenue. I'll disclose that now. Why? Because you have a brand and you have a digital footprint, you have expertise, authority, and trust. It's going to be a lot easier for you to sell affiliate products and yep. that you know are valuable and, and because people have a lot of trust in you in that brand. I don't think it makes sense to just do ads on that site. Usually affiliate sales would be a great way to go. And I'm super yep. excited for you in the future of it because of what you've already built prior to it. But yeah, there's a lot of people that will start a site to just 
sell affiliate products and they don't have any sort of uh, digital footprint or expertise yeah. in the space. And, and it's it's a tough thing. It, it is a yeah, tough it, thing. It's so, infinitely difficult to do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Where do you see it in the future? I just put a post up, a YouTube video up for the weekend. And this will be an old one for people watching this as it goes live about the death of affiliate sites. <laughs> and some will stick around, some will do really good, but a lot will get wiped out. Where do you see the future of affiliate sites going and why? If you're focused on Amazon affiliates, I personally do feel like it's like a dying dinosaur. I think that that is going to go by the wayside, unfortunately. That said, I see huge opportunities for like Walmart and these other really big affiliates to step in and step up, but they astonishingly to me, have not done this yet. I don't understand. Maybe they don't have the margins. I don't know what it is, but they haven't done this yet. And that's just mind blowing to me that nobody's jumped in and jumped on Amazon's back and offered better commissions. Because guess what? Everybody will start selling their stuff. Maybe people don't realize it. But anyway, I think in general, affiliates in that regard, if you're talking about consumer products, smaller products, I do think that in the future, I think it could be in trouble. I think there will always be something there with affiliates, right? I think that there's always going to be some opportunity, but that mostly resides in software services, products to where you're working directly with manufacturers or other companies, because affiliate really what it is, is you are referring someone to something and they're getting a sale and they're making money and then they're giving you a cut of that money, right? Like that's all it really is. Let's be honest. Yeah. Now, Amazon was great for a while because they had great commissions but they keep reducing and they're really not the company. They're just a the middleman. That's all they are. They're just an e-commerce yes. marketplace, right? Yes. So that's where the problem lies is that they're just giving you a small cut of what they make, which is already not enough. Yes. So when you're able to work directly with the software creator or the creator of the goods or the manufacturer, when you're able to work directly with them, I think there's a lot of money to be made there still because it's always just, hey, I'm going to refer you. Like it's a no-brainer. Let's say you had a product company, right? And it was, let's just say, I don't know, tents for the backyard, right? And you know that every time you get a sale, you end up making, I don't know, $80. And then you can give this one guy a cut for 20 bucks and you'll make $60 every time and he'll bring you 10,000 customers a month. Of course you'd partner with him, right? I think there's always going to be something there. I think it'll always be there because it's really just referring customers over and making money with it. But- I think that the really big people like the Amazons and that, they're going to start kind of cutting back and people are going to have to figure out a way around navigating around that because I don't think the affiliate marketing future is there. I think it's working directly us to the companies. I think that's where the the real opportunity will be. Yeah, I agree. And those companies, those retailers need to think about affiliates as actual, that's their marketing budget. That's $100 product and they're giving $20 away in a sale. That's their marketing budget. I explained that to Kyle, who's here on the call, um, KDS there, (laughs) is that he gets all of his revenue basically from affiliates. So he does affiliate outreach. He's got this awesome system and uh, process that we've built that outreach for affiliates, gets affiliates on, they make affiliate sales. And that's his marketing budget is, you know, whatever percentage he gives them in commissions is, is that's his marketing budget going to them. The bigger brands have to consider that. And it's better to have your marketing budget go towards sales that are already made. Yeah. That's what I was just going to say. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I mean. Like for someone in marketing and I come from the digital marketing corporate background, right? If Mm. you're going to tell me, okay, we could spend $10,000 here and we're going to get impressions and we're going to get our voice heard and and people are going to know leads that we might sell. Yeah. Yeah, Like me as a person, if it's my business, I don't care about that. 
Tell no. me about the guy over here that'll make 500 bucks every time, but we'll end up making $30,000 in sales. Tell me about yes. him yes. because now I'm going to actually make money in the process. It's a win-win, right? Yes. That's the whole key to it. Like I said, Amazon wasn't really that much of a win-win for them. And now they keep cutting back because they're like, we don't need you anymore. And we essentially kind of helped build Amazon. That's why it just boggles my mind. Nobody stepped in to help. But yeah, like that's the thing. If you can work directly with them in that more direct way, or even like share a sale, commission junction, to where there's still an intermediary, but you're still working mm. with the company, mm. there's still a lot of money to be made there for sure. Yeah, so. for sure, for sure. <laughs> Amazing. That's it for part one of this episode with Ron Stefanski. And you can find out more about Ron and what he does over at onehourprofessor.com or on his YouTube channel, The One Hour Professor. Uh, there'll be links to this in the description. Now, in part two of this training, Ron talks with us about the pros and cons of writing blogs for yourself versus hiring somebody else to do it and then what he actually suggests and why. Then we talk about how he structures his content creation with his team and who does what on his team and why they do each individual pieces themselves and then why some people may do double the thing and why Ron may even do some of the work at different stages as well. So we talk about his team structure and what's also the most important things for him to focus on with the content creation. Then we talk about what are the top three things that Ron focuses on as a content site owner and why. And here's a hint, guys. Monetization isn't actually on that list. So have a think about that. We also talk about how does Ron manage multiple websites? How does he split his time up between them? And how does that actually work? Then we also talk about what tools Ron actually uses, like the top three tools that he uses with his team and for himself to scale his content website. So guys, that was an absolutely awesome chat that we had with Ron. If you want to get access to part two or any of the other trainings in the inner circle, uh, you can join the mastermind by going to buyingonlinebusinesses.co forward slash inner circle. That's buyingonlinebusinesses.co forward slash inner circle. See you on the next one. 